Hello, everyone. Welcome to the new witches. This is Laura. Maria is still on break, but she will be back soon. Um, I'm super stoked for today's episode. We are doing an interview with someone who, when I first started, um, I think it was the first like intro episode of me, we talked about podcasts that I liked, and one that I listed was called Creepin' It Real. And uh, that person is now with us today. Here's Ivy, uh, who has Hi, everyone. new podcasts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, my name is Ivy, a paranormal investigator, enthusiast, a co-host on the podcast Ghoul's Trip, and I currently host another podcast called Eerie Places. Like perfect podcasts for any of you to listen to if you don't already, because they're <laughs> so much fun and on brand for our listenership. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I try very hard. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, so the main reason I like I found you, started following you and like really stayed engaged with all the content you put out was because you were so honest about what it's like to be a woman in ghost hunting and even just like watching ghost hunting shows and how it's so like dude dominated. <laughs> yes, the, the dude bros. <laughs> the dude bros. God, um, we make fun of of Zach quite a bit on this podcast. Oh, good. So do we. He's, <laughs> he's a man we, we love to hate. Yeah. It's uh, it's like that's, that show is such a guilty pleasure of like, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. entertaining to watch, but at the same time, you kind of know like, what are you doing? I, I know it's toxic <laughs> and I know that like what he's done has like had bad effects, but yeah, it's, it's a train wreck. You can't stop. So exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I think before maybe I get too into that, like, would you mind sharing a bit of what it's like to be a paranormal investigator? Like, sure. Um, use? <laughs> so the first thing that I always tell people when they find out that I like to hunt ghosts is it's not what you see on TV. The first thing I tell mm -hmm. people is it's a little bit boring. Um, a lot of ghost hunts can kind of be a flop and you have to keep in mind that when you are watching an episode of Ghost Adventures, for example, and it's like evidence after evidence after evidence, sometimes they're at those locations for days filming. Right. And so I, I'm very patient as a ghost hunter. I'm very chill. I really don't get out there as much as I used to, especially after the pandemic. I think it affected a mm. lot of people, but it's been an interest of mine since I was a kid. I grew up watching these shows, A Haunting and Ghost Hunters, and I wanted to be just like them. And here I am today. It's not a phase that I grew out of. Sorry, mom and dad. I'm still obsessed. I love that. Did you ever watch, um, what was it called? Paranormal State? Yes. Did that ever make it into your queue? I, <laughs> that was one my mom and I like bonded over. I don't uh -huh. know why. Maybe because they were like college kids. So she liked it's that. Pretty cool. Anything yeah. that had to do with the paranormal, like as a child, I was obsessed. Mm -hmm. I remember one of my earliest memories was watching some show about Robert the Doll. And I wrote my own like knockoff Robert the Doll book and I was obsessed with it. So That's talking awesome. about the paranormal, investigating it, researching it. I've always I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> um, as a kid, did you ever have like your own paranormal experiences like before you got into hunting? Guess we what? did, and that's kind of what got us into it. Um, 
every now and then weird things would happen at my parents' house growing up. One memory that I had was I heard someone screaming like bloody murder outside. And we grew up in the country. We had almost no neighbors, no one anywhere near us. And I remember me and my sisters all find each other and we're like, what happened? What happened? And things like that would happen. Something else that would happen in our house a lot when I was really young was people would always think that they saw me standing above uh, or standing at the doorway down to our basement And so as a kid, I would grow up and my grandpa would come outside, they'd be visiting and he would say, Ivy, weren't you just inside? Say, no, I've been outside the whole time. And I do have a twin, full disclosure, I have a twin (laughs) running around, but she had really short hair. I had long hair. We really tried to be different when we were kids and people always Hmm. thought they saw me. And that even happened to me on one occasion. I thought that I saw me standing there. And so I always kind of grew up around this strangeness. And so I think I naturally... And my sisters, who also sometimes experienced weird stuff in our house, we just gravitated towards it, wanting to know what was going on. Yeah. God. I always – I feel like that tends to be what opens the door for anyone who gets into paranormal investigating is something happened when you're younger that you're like, I need answers. I need to know what (laughs) that was. (laughs) Yeah. And every skeptic that I know is a skeptic because they've never experienced anything. My husband – who I've been with for 10 years, he's never had any sort of weird encounter. And of course, every time I go on a ghost hunt and take him along, nothing ever happens. So <laughs> I think it's one of those things you really have to experience it to believe it. Yeah, it's it's so true. We are this house that I'm in right now for sure is haunted. And my husband, like, kind of like I'll talk about things that I've experienced here, and he's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> and like like, like one night in particular, I woke up to the sound of footsteps in our kitchen, like heavy footsteps. Like Ugh. I knew I was awake and hearing it. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God, he got up and went to look. He's like, there's nothing there. And I was like, how is that not proof to you then that there's yeah, something going on? You heard He's something. Like, I don't know. Maybe you were just kind of asleep. No. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rationalize I mean, it. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, I, I'm like waiting for the day that something happens when it's just him and he can't <laughs> deny it. <laughs> when you see the full body apparition, try and explain that, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Man. So when did you start? Like, if, like, I guess not even officially doing paranormal investigations, because I'm sure like even as a kid or a teenager or something, you probably were kind of trying right because I think yeah even I did get that kind of <laughs> yeah there's a there's a little it's called a castle it's not really an actual castle in Topeka called Metro Castle and my grandpa was a realtor and it was supposed to be haunted and years ago when he was selling it I was really little I would do like my own ghost hunts like I watched ghost hunters and I knew how to do burst DVP sessions and I had a little toy voice recorder that I brought with me and I had my disposable camera and I was taking pictures of orbs which I now know it was probably just dust but I was a kid I was out there ghost hunting and uh but I really like actually got into it uh it was 2019-ish so long story short I am a beauty school dropout and while I was in beauty school I was opened up to the world of paranormal podcasts And I had gone on like a handful of like small little like paid $20 October ghost hunts that go on. But I didn't know that paranormal podcasts was a thing. I'd never really listened to podcasts. 
And it was while I was in beauty school, I started getting really hooked on them. And I went and watched a live show for a paranormal podcast I used to listen to a lot. And I had this epiphany where I was like, why am I not doing this? Because this is all that I talk about. This is all that I research. Dropped out of beauty school and immediately started podcasting. Uh, The two podcasts I started back then are unfortunately no longer in existence. I think Creepin' It Real is still floating around out there on some platforms, Mm -hmm. but... I took a break from that and yeah, (laughs) so yeah, I took a break from those. I'm just kind of had to figure myself out, got a much better setup. I actually know what I'm doing now or I tell myself I do and I've just, (laughs) I haven't stopped. That's awesome. It's so true though. Like figuring, I'm still figuring it out. The whole setup for podcasting. Yeah, it's. uh, it's a lot. Mics can be expensive. Like, yeah. I know I still have an echo, but I don't really care. I just ignore it. <laughs> is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> as long as the content's good, right? Exactly. <laughs> so what what do you use now when you go on your investigations? I am a little bit lazy. I have my big old, oh, I don't know if you can see it. I have, let me angle my computer. This box right here. I have a big rolling case that I've got all my gadgets in, but I find that if I have too much equipment with me, it really distracts me. I'm really focused. Mm -hmm. Like, are all of my cameras running? Is everything working? Is this on? Is this on? Did I bring batteries? So my go-to items lately have been my uh, spirit box, and I use noise-canceling headphones for the Estes method. That's my hands-down favorite thing to do on Ghost Hunts now. Um, I've been really into this app called Redvox and it measures infrasound. I am very sensitive to infrasound and there's a lot of places I've gone to where I feel almost like a deep vibration. I feel uneasy, something I would normally attribute to the paranormal, but some of these Mm -hmm. places have, you know, really old HVAC systems or I don't know what's going on, but there's Mm -hmm. infrasound present. So I love my spirit box. I love the Redvox app. K2 meter. I think every ghost hunter carries around a K2 meter with them. Um, And other than that, my camera on my phone, I have caught a surprising amount of EVPs just from the audio and videos on my phone. I have a separate digital voice recorder and my Polaroid camera. And for the most part, that's all I've really been using lately. That's so cool. I love that you mentioned that. I always forget the name. Estes Method? Yeah. Yeah. I think paranormal state was the first time I saw that being used Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought that is so cool I've tried to do it myself in this house without like actual like I don't have noise canceling headphones they're decent they're not that quality (laughs) Um, do you mind explaining a little bit for anyone who doesn't know what that is yeah so I'm a terrible person and I can't remember the group of people who coined the term but they I think they first did it in Estes Park in Colorado which is why it's called the Estes Method Um, and what you do is you listen to a spirit box, which as you know, um, it rapidly scans radio stations. And the idea is that spirits can more easily communicate through us through these like radio wavelengths or something. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different theories, theories as to how it works, but what we know is we hear stuff, but there's room for human error due to audio matrixing. If I say, Mm -hmm. Hello, my name is Ivy. Can you say my name back to me? Subconsciously, I might be listening for any sounds that come through from these radio stations that sounds like Ivy. The Estes Method eliminates this. So you wear noise-canceling headphones. You're listening to your spirit box. Someone externally is asking questions to these spirits that we hope are present. 
you don't know the questions they're asking. So if the person externally says, hey, is there any spirits with us or how many spirits are here? And I'm listening to it and I yell at the number three. That's pretty concrete, if you ask me, because I don't know yeah. what they were asking. I don't know they were looking for a number. That's right. the Estes method. I hope I explained it well enough. Yeah. So that people understand. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I've seen videos of people doing that. And it is really cool when there's like a legitimate response to a question where you're like, how, like, unless they're all faking it and not wearing noise canceling headphones, <laughs> like, that's yeah, it, just really cool evidence, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's neat. And that is something I have to keep in mind is there's people on the internet that will do anything for views. But, you know, yeah. when I'm out, it's it's a method that I've had either a lot of success with. It's either really wild, like a lot of very direct and intelligent responses. And there's been times I sit there and we're asking questions and it's just silence or gibberish. Right. Yeah, so it's hit or miss, but when it does work, it's really fascinating. I I can imagine. I I was gifted, was it last Christmas or the Christmas before? A little. I was like, it'd be so cool to have a spirit box because, like, I would love to get into paranormal investigations. But mm -hmm. I'm like, you got to build up the equipment first. You can't just go in there with nothing. Yeah, and it's expensive like, too. Show me a ghost, exactly. So it's like every Christmas, it seems I get like one little piece of something. And I, I was like, I want a spirit box. And I was given this little device. And I was like, I imagine something bigger. But I don't know. Have you used multiple different kinds of spirit boxes? Or do you find one that works really well for you? Uh, the only kind that I have ever personally used is I think the one that I have is the SB7 spirit box. It's a little mm -hmm. like black and silver one. It has a long antenna on the top. That's the only one yeah. I've personally ever used. That sounds similar to what I had. That even that number, I want. They, I'm, I'm sure they did their research, but I was like, because I had seen others that were more like, um, what is they? It's like a pod. I think it's even called like pod or something. Yeah, there's like ones that there's ones that like um, will come with like much larger speakers and filters and things attached to right. it. I don't have anything fancy like that. I've just got my my little tiny spear box. It works. Yeah, totally. Um, what's have you had like something come through that's blown your mind? Yes, that or um, I think that. One of the coolest um, experiences I've had with the SB7 uh, spirit box, and this was with the Estes method. Um, so it was me and one of my internet friends, Sharice Williams. And Sharice lives in a different state than me. And we decided to try an experiment with a long distance Ooh. Estes method <gasps> session. So I went and sat in a cemetery and we didn't tell each other where we were going to be or what like cemeteries we were going to be in. So I was sitting in... Union Cemetery here in Kansas City where I live and I've got my headphones on listening to my spirit box. Sharice is on like FaceTime on my phone asking questions <laughs> through my phone and we were getting really direct responses and part of it was um, I was getting a lot of words um, like dark, buried, hidden, concrete underneath and we know that there's, or I at least knew that there was um, like hidden 
unmarked graves at this cemetery. I knew that there was like really old mass graves somewhere. And so I'm in my head as I'm hearing these things, I'm kind of thinking of that. And then I hear a direction. I want to say it was south or something. I can't remember. Um, I'd have to like reorientate myself there. But I heard a direction. And I hadn't really thought much of it. But Sharice was taking notes as this was happening. Come to find out afterwards that the direction that was given is a site of the cemetery where apartment buildings were built over what they believe were unmarked graves. And that was knowledge I didn't know. I didn't know where they were at. And I thought that was really weird that we were given a specific direction of the site of the cemetery that these unmarked graves were. And we were like, oh, that was really weird. I didn't know that. (laughs) So I've had a handful of things like that. I think that's one of my more notable ones that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's kind of wild. I mean – on one, you know, I believe it. I feel like anytime anything comes up, like paranormal investigation wise, uh-huh. even like I want to be such a believer when it still happens. I'm like, that is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then like, like further. Oh. I'm and I'm such a skeptical believer and I love it and hate mm-hmm. it because even then my brain tries to sit there and be like, well, maybe I came across something at some point right. and I knew and I don't remember, but I have to kind of let that go a little bit and yeah. still appreciate these experiences. Yeah. God, I I feel like that is so needed when it comes to any sort of investigation, having that kind of skeptical mindset, because I feel like, mm-hmm. and it Ghost Adventures, of course, doesn't do that at all. <laughs> like, this is what I think we love to make fun of. Like anything is, it was a ghost, it was a demon. It is. They so ready to a, blame it on something. <laughs> a, a literal dust orb. And then they sit there and say, we debunked this as not being a speck of dust. How, Zach? How did you debunk it as not being a speck of dust? <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's so like wanting to believe so hardcore. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, I mean, obviously for views and ratings, you know, they've yep. got that going yep. for them. But even just ourselves, I think it's so like want it to be true so bad but it is so important to be skeptical you know like Mm -hmm. I have things here where like the closet door will open and I'll be like was that you Bob (laughs) but then I'm also like maybe a towel like fell over and pushed against it and like I walked by and popped open like you know that that is important to Mm -hmm. to be doing yeah you have to rule out the normal before jumping to paranormal yeah exactly so, okay, I'm still like stuck on that cemetery cemetery story. That's so cool. Um, what? Where have you gone that has just been like lots of activity? Uh, McIntyre Villa in Atchison, Kansas. I actually I think it's pronounced McIntyre, but for years I've said McIntyre, and I I can't mm-hmm. let go of it. But it's in Atchison, <laughs> Kansas. It's near the Sally House. I've only been there two times, and both times that I went, it was loaded with weirdness each time. Right. That's cool. Near the Sally House, too. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because uh, for years, like, the word on the street was like, oh, don't go to McIntyre. They're just trying to play on the Sally House fame and, like, get the ghost hunters to pay to go there, too. And I finally caved and went there, and it was one of the most, like, mind-blowing experiences I had. I went again earlier this year, mind-blowing experience again. Wow. So it's it's a neat place to get to if you ever find yourself in the Midwest. 
That sounds really cool. Does it have like any sort of backstory as to why there would be so much activity? Um, I mean, like a of? lot of like a lot of old homes, there's a lot of deaths in the house. But I mean, mm-hmm. find any home that's easily a right. hundred plus years old, and there's going to be people that died there. But yeah, I don't know what exactly the deal is. Um, I know some people attribute some of the hauntings in there to this kind of creepy old marionette doll that's like made with human oh. hair. So there's a lot of like antiques and stuff that were brought into the house to like uh-huh. sort of decorate it how it would have been decades ago. But um, there's child spirits there. And one of the cooler experiences I had there was, and I've never seen anything like this before. Very rarely have I ever like seen something with my eyes, but I saw this, mm-hmm like glowing white silhouette of a child in a closet wow. under the stairs. And I was like, okay, I've seen like shadow figures before, but I've never seen anything like that. And it used to be held, I don't know that it was an orphanage, but children used to stay there. So okay. people attribute some of these child hauntings to children that maybe used to stay there. Maybe they had died from sickness and illness because we know that was rampant in the early to right. the 1900s. But every time I've been there, I've had incredible things like that happen that almost never happen. Dang. That's really cool. Especially like if the Sally house is nearby, because obviously everyone's going to know to go there if Uh they're going to go check a place out. That's really cool. I'm really interested uh, to hear from any of our listeners who maybe live in that area. If they've heard of this place, if they've gone there. If they haven't, maybe they should and let us know <laughs> how it <laughs> yes. goes for them because that'd be super <laughs> cool. Um, you tend to go to a lot of cool places, I've noticed. That I are try. Haunted. <laughs> yeah. What's What are some of the more recent ones you've been to? Oh, gosh. Uh, more recently, I went to the Belvoir Winery, which is here um, in Kansas City. It used to be an old Oddfellows home, so it has a really long history of being used by the Oddfellows. Uh, they have a human skeleton in there that actually used to be a member of the Oddfellows. Whoa. But there's a lot of really cool, there's like, it's run as like a winery and an inn, so you can stay the night there, which is what I did. Supposed to be super haunted. I didn't really experience anything there, but I did get to walk around by myself at night outside of all these other abandoned buildings that are on the property that are totally overgrown. It was really cool. It was really creepy. Um, nothing really happened, though. I, I had a peaceful night's rest. No, no oh, nice. ghosts in my room that night. But <laughs> I think that was one of the more interesting places I've been to recently. I also investigated mm-hmm. um, a private residence for one of my old co-workers uh, that oh, I used to cool. work with. Um so that was neat, too. Uh, nothing too conclusive out of that. We did have some really cool Estes Method sessions, though, at their new house. Um, we think it's like a residual type haunting, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, it's been a little bit slower this year. I've been really busy with podcast stuff. I got to go to Salem mm-hmm. in October, so that was really yeah. interesting. That really emptied my bank account. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm planning some investigations for next year, though, 2023, that I'm really excited about. Nice. That's really exciting. Salem must have been fun to go to. I mean, busy, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, my advice, don't go in October. Both times I've gone, <laughs> it was in October. Love it. Uh, the trees are gorgeous, but um, very busy. You don't get to see or do a lot when it's absolutely cram-packed in October. Still fun, though. That's, that's what I've been seeing. Like, I had a cousin who went a few years ago. <clears throat> And I don't know if maybe they just got lucky or they just didn't take pictures. 
of certain areas that were really busy just made it seem like, oh, it's so nice and really calm, relaxed. And then like this last two years, I've seen pictures of Salem in October and I'm like, holy, like that's yeah. so busy. Too many it's, people. <laughs> yeah, I saw like, a, fun, like I'm sure. thousands of travelers like on the weekends. I think uh, Hocus Pocus 2 kind of played a lot into yeah. it this year. A lot of people wanted to go to Salem with the hype from Hocus Pocus 2. But I'm hoping next year it might slow down a little bit. Yeah, I think especially too, like after COVID and then things opening back up, I feel like there's going to be that like wave that goes way up of people going out to do things. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, people actually have the time and money to do it. Right. Um, I love in the background there, no one else is going to see this, but you have a Ouija board <laughs> behind you. Yes. And we've talked about Ouija boards quite a bit and kind of the stigma around them yes and misconceptions how many ouija boards do you have oh okay hold on i have (laughs) one two three four five i have like seven or eight of them one of them i don't know if it counts i have this like ridiculously tiny like world's smallest ouija board i don't know where it's at right now but (laughs) i'll count it yeah yeah (laughs) i i love them i agree there's a lot of really weird stigma that i blame on hollywood around them um people view them as these inherently evil demonic portals and i'm like yo this is particle board with like printed paper on it mass produced (laughs) this is it's it's fine (laughs) i know i always crack up a bit with like how especially my mom was always big on like those are just evil but then she'd get these like oracle cards be like look they're angel cards and i'm like okay <laughs> is that not tarot cards are thing? cool i'm gonna go speak with the medium like uh-huh i don't know how those things would be fine and a and a board not yeah, yeah. i think i'm super cool me too. I know ghost hunters that won't touch an Ouija board, but then they stand there with, they use a spirit box and do the Estes method right. and try and channel spirits and talk to them that way. And I'm like, you're still just trying to channel and communicate. It's the same thing. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever used a board in an investigation at all? I have. Yeah. Did it go anywhere um, or do much? You know, not really. I feel like when I use Ouija boards, like, Nine times out of 10, more than that, like 19 out of 20 times that I use an Ouija board, nothing happens. And then that 1% of the time that something does happen, it does get like a little bit crazy. But usually oh. it's, you know, when I've used them, I'll, I'll use them in my house randomly because I know you said in the beginning, you mentioned that you think your house like might be haunted and I'm very jealous. I would love for my house to be haunted. (laughs) I can't get anything to happen and I'll use them spontaneously. And most of the time, nothing happens. Maybe it's just me. Maybe the ghosts don't like me or something. I don't know. (laughs) But but I I do love them. They're super cool. Do you have like uh, different styles of boards? Is that kind of... I do. Um, So the one that you can see behind me, it's uh, one of the like original vintage 1960s Ouija boards. Um, I I have a Stranger Things Ouija board. Oh, cool. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Lemp Mansion. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, in St. Louis, uh, supposed to be haunted. Um, I went to their gift shop because I wasn't able to ghost hunt or anything there, but I wanted a souvenir. And they had Lemp Mansion, uh, like family themed Ouija boards. And I bought one of those. <laughs> I am an absolute tourist. And if I go somewhere and there's like a fun themed Ouija board, I'm going to buy it if I have the money. That, oh my, so we did actually, was it me? I may have covered that in one of our previous episodes. Because we'll like switch off between witchy and paranormal. Yeah. Um, but like almost kind of a side note, we live near um, the Winchester Mystery House. And Ooh. we went there and absolutely spent like a ton of time in the gift mm-hmm. shop looking at everything they had. Mm-hmm. They did not have a Ouija board. And that they is would make they so much money. Have. They really would, especially because she had her seance room. And that's yeah. like a big thing. I feel like I they they, they could market the, yeah <laughs> they could market the heck out of that. <laughs> I would. I mean, I'd go back regardless because it was just fun to go. But like, uh-huh. that would be cool. I would buy it. Yeah, that's that's one of my dream locations, places I would love to go to someday. Because I think the house is cool, and I've been trying to like learn more about like Sarah Winchester herself, and she had a really interesting life too. And I would love to go there. Yeah, it's super um it's cool. They've got like a couple different tours, which I didn't like realize until I got there and like had bought the tickets. And I was like, "Man, I, we only did one tour. There's a whole other one that goes to the basement. Like, what's down there?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Must see it all. <laughs> exactly. But god, the Lump Mansion. I love that they did that, that they created their own. Yeah. And it was it, it kind of expensive. It was like I want to say like 50 or $60. And I was like, this is a little bit ridiculous to spend on this, but I also need it. <laughs> yeah. How do you turn that down? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay. Completely going off on a slightly different topic. One thing that you had posted forever ago that I was like, oh my God, I'm living for this was talking about the Warrens. Yes. Oh, and I know, like, we all want to be believers, um, mm-hmm. but that has always been something that stuck with me is, you know, seeing these movies come out, The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, Ed and Lorraine Warren were frauds. They were absolute charlatans. <laughs> <laughs> they really were. And I feel like it's it's harder to not necessarily get that out there, but for people to kind of let go of like, well, but... The movie said this happened. <laughs> yeah, th- this loving, happy marriage, and they helped so many people. No, <laughs> no, they did not. All they did was take advantage of people. I, yeah, it's a, I, if I start talking about the Warrens, I'll warn you, I sometimes don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get heated when people start fangirling over the Warrens, and I'm like, oh, do you want me to spoil this for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I remember way back because um, I had seen uh, Amityville Horror like when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I loved horror as a kid. Still do. Um, and I kept hearing like my mom would talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. And I didn't really like understand who they were. And then Paranormal State came out and Lorraine would often pop up on there. It was like little old lady with her coiffed <laughs> hair and bows and everything oh ryan that's demonic it's mm-hmm. a demon and everything's it was just demons, like yeah. wow like 
who knew the afterlife was so Catholic? Right? Like, <laughs> I think this is kind of intense. And then, like, getting a little bit older and kind of reading into things more, like, there was something – I have tried to find it again, and I can't find it, but it was something from the Amityville Horror, um, like, someone – in like an interview that was involved or so I don't know it was like the priest who drove away and like the car went crazy I had read mm-hmm. something about the hood of the car going up yeah and then he couldn't see and then somewhere I read that the car was a Chevrolet Vega and I was like little kid me like ah my dad has a Vega and I happen to know that that opens the opposite way so it didn't it <laughs> couldn't have opened the yeah way. like it's really weird the way it opened but I I as a kid, I knew something uh-huh. wasn't kosher with those two. <laughs> yeah, that and that's a that's prevalent throughout the entire case of like the Amityville haunting is saying that you know this freak storm blew through the house and it damaged all of it, and then the family that moved in afterwards was like, "Oh, these are the original windows that they said blew out. These haven't been replaced. These are original." and Mm -hmm. Uh, saying that they had to board up one of the doors, but the door actually uh, like opened a different way and they wouldn't have been able to board it up the way they did. So that entire story, like the hood of that car. And I mean, the the people that were involved, um, Butch himself later on uh, in life before he passed away, uh, which I think he passed away earlier this year, maybe, or it might've been last year. But even he said, no, there was nothing like demonic. There weren't spirits involved. And, like, yeah. the attorneys and people involved in, like, producing this story were like, oh, yeah, we made it up. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, yeah. The Warrens, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. If they're attached to a story, I know to Google it a little bit harder. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's not even – some of the stories, it's not even – you don't have to Google that hard to mm-hmm. kind of start finding things very easily debunking it. Um Yeah. I think it's the case of the devil made me do it. Yeah. And I was learning about that. The second I read like Lorraine telling this little boy, yes, you have like, what was it? 42 demons living in you (laughs) or something. I'm like, I don't need to like Google that to know that that's just absurd and not true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Telling a kid that. Oh my goodness. No, all of that. I remember like, because I love horror, of course, I still watch like the conjuring, like movies from that universe, but like. Um, I remember when that one came out, I was like, oh, my God, because I knew the story before the movie came out, like, pretty well. Uh-huh. And so once I'm watching it with my husband and I'm, like, cursing the whole time because I'm like, what the fuck is – what is happening? Like, that's <laughs> not even what they said. Ha- like, whatever. Hollywood is taking their spin on it. Maybe they've made mm-hmm. it so fantastical that people will get, like, okay, that's not really what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But I feel like it's kind of it's it's intense, like how much people really do believe them mm-hmm. and then kind of take that over into other ghost shows and just kind of blindly believe those groups yep. as well. And I actually recently was sitting on going through Discovery Plus, I think, at the paranormal shows on there. And it was yeah. just like demon house demon this hell gates and i'm just like holy crap is there anyone legitimate out there (laughs) yeah and you know the funny thing is is uh the warrens were all ghosts 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 until the exorcist came out 
And that was hugely popular. And conveniently, after The Exorcist came out, then the narrative was demons, demons, demons. And yeah, today there's still people that hold them on this pedestal and who still just push demon content. Everywhere has demons. Yeah. It's oh, it's so it's so hard sometimes to just mindlessly be on social media and Mm -hmm. see something that's like, oh, that's a cool video or that looks spooky or scary. And then everyone's calling demons. It's like, oh, my Mm -hmm. God, I don't want to engage with this now. Yeah, it's a little bit bit of a red flag if I come across someone's content and like every single thumbnail that they use for their YouTube videos or something. It's just like demon, demon, demon in like big text. I'm just like, okay. I really, sometimes I wish I could sit with some of those people and be like, if you honestly believe these are demons, like what do you think demons do with their time? Do you really Mm -hmm. think this is what they would want to do? Yeah. They like growl at you while you're sleeping for like half a second and then like like a cat knock something over? Yes, precisely. (laughs) No, it's so clickbaity and yeah. it's just like it, people recycling the same type of demonic themes in their videos. I, I can't stand it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think that I I don't really know what I believe. I think that there are malevolent mm-hmm. entities out there, but I don't think it's as prevalent as some of these other paranormal investigators say it is. Yeah. I, I, I would have to concur because I'm... I'm pretty big on, um, like, when I pick kind of who's who I give my, like, viewership to in, in mm-hmm. terms of, like, content, I do look for, like, ethical standpoints on yes. things. And um, even, like, psychic mediums, things like that, I, I still obviously will look for that. And it is once you find them, they all kind of say the same thing of, like, y'all, like, no. Mm-hmm. There's no demons out here doing all this shit. Like it's, it's your, it's you. It's your lens. Yeah. You want it to be. You're yes. scared, so it's scary to you. So therefore, it must be a demon. Exactly. <laughs> like, is is this activity that startled you actually something evil trying to harm you, or did you just react that way? Right. You know? It reminds me of those like Karen videos. Right, where someone like tells them <laughs> something they don't want to hear, and then they do do that like shaking, screaming, yeah. "Get away from me!" <laughs> it's like exactly what I think of every time I see a video that, like that. <laughs> that's pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so like actually going back to the like you ghost hunting, have you ever experienced something that you thought could have been malevolent? Yes. Um, so <laughs> this kind of ties in with like Ouija boards. So like I mentioned, the house that I grew up in, we would occasionally throughout our childhoods experience weird things. So when we were teenagers, I want to say I was like maybe a sophomore in high school. I'm not quite sure. I, it was sometime in high school. I was pretty young still. We decided, hey, let's use an Ouija board. And our mom didn't want us to because she had a bad encounter with one as a kid. And so she didn't want them in the house. And so we waited one evening till they weren't there. And we used a glow-in-the-dark Ouija board purchased from Toys R Us. Yeah, Very that. legit. And <laughs> nothing happened. I think at some point the planchette spelled out the word like poop or fart. But like I'm <laughs> so sure that was like one of my sisters. Like it was boring. Nothing happened. We didn't hear anything. 
didn't like actually say anything else. Um, but that following night, my sister, uh, we used it in her bedroom. She woke up and felt something like standing next to her and she sees this big shadowy mass and she turns on the light and it disappears. And then like every single night after that, while the board was in her room, she would see this shadowy figure and she moved out of that room and she didn't tell me this at first. And then eventually she was like, Hey, just so you know, I see weird stuff in that room. The Ouija board was long gone since then. I think my mom threw it away or something when she found out that we used it (laughs) and we were like seeing stuff, but I started seeing these shadowy figures too. And at the time I did interpret it as something evil because it did scare me at first. Right. Um, There was also a lot of poltergeist like activity that would happen in my Mm -hmm. room. Like I would be asleep at night and my sister would hear long drawn scratches on the walls. Like it sounded like someone's fingernails going from ceiling to floor and She would hear the drawers on my dresser because her room was on the other side. She would hear the drawers in my dresser slamming shut. She would hear footsteps and stomping. And uh, there was nights where they would get up and hear these sounds in my room and my door would close and they'd open my door and I would be like fast asleep in bed. And they wouldn't tell me this until the morning after. And I'm like, you left me (laughs) in my room. But that was like, I have no idea. And I didn't know what was happening while I was sleeping. Um. But I would see these shadowy figures in my room. And there was one night that my mom actually slept in that room with me. And I wake up to my mom screaming and I turn and I look and I can see her eyes are open. It's dark in the room, but there's like moonlight coming in through the window. And I look up and I see the room is filled with these shadowy figures. I see multiple of them standing around. And I had never seen that before. I'd only ever seen just, you know, one or two at a time. And... Once my mom's kind of shaken out of it, my like dad and sister come running in the room and they flip the light on and they're like, what's going on? And I asked my mom, like, what happened? And my mom just goes, I saw them. And my mom had seen all these figures when I had seen them too, before I had even told her what I had seen because I didn't want to like influence her or anything. And so to this day, I don't know if what was going on in this other activity that was happening on top of the shadow figures, because I know some people believe them to be these observers. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen them on occasion since. And with the experience I have now, I'm not really scared of them. If I see, if I'm somewhere haunted and I see a shadowy figure, I'm just like, hey, you want to talk? <laughs> like, give me some evidence. I don't know. But at the time, it was very scary for me. And with this other like physical activity going on, scratching on the walls and and I mean, again, we lived in the country. We had like mice in our walls and an occasional right. like maybe a raccoon or something in the attic. But it's different when it sounds like something big and clawed yeah. um, on top of drawers and things opening and slamming and doors yeah. shutting. And at some point, something grabbed my mom by the ankles in her bed and oh, halfway pulled her down her bed like movie type stuff. Right. And I think that whatever was happening in our house at that time, I think it was trying to scare us. But uh, some of my sisters, we grew up, some of them started moving out, going to college. I eventually moved out. Occasionally weird stuff will happen there, but they don't really react to it much anymore. I think whatever it was, it may have been malevolent. I think it was trying to get something out of us, but mm-hmm. it's not really getting that anymore. So it's really slowed down, but I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it so was there's weird. still activity, but it's just not yes. at that level. That's Yes. Interesting. Like a, have you gone back now as an adult to like I have. To speak with them? I have. It was a, a couple Christmases ago, like 
I guess more than I was pre-pandemic. Um, I'd stay the night there for Christmas and I like brought some of my equipment with me and I was trying to get stuff to happen. And I don't know, uh, whatever's there, it certainly didn't want to talk to me much that night, but uh, it's very random. Nothing will happen for months. And then uh, a while back, my sister was standing outside of uh, the door to our house and there's nobody inside the house. It's just her. And she's standing outside and she feels the doorknob twist one way and then twist the other way while her hand was still in it. So something was twisting on the other side. And then I think it locked the door or something after that. And she's like, oh, my God, there's nobody in there. So every now and then something real bizarre will happen. But it's not that common. And it hasn't really happened when I've at least tried to provoke it a little bit and be like, hey, do something. (laughs) Sorry, I, just, I feel like I just talked for like 10 minutes there, but no, this is, no. this is why I podcast because I love <laughs> to just sit here and I just go on and on and on and on about it. Yeah, no, that's that's wild. I mean, honestly, that's the kind of experience that I think people, when they think of a haunted place, they assume that's what's going to happen every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I, it is cool to hear that that's what you grew up with. Yep. There's a I'm reason cool. I am the way I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. And it has it like have has your mom mentioned if it's touched her again? Uh I don't think so. I don't think I think that was okay. uh like the one time that something real crazy happened happened to her was that, but I don't think that's something that's happened again since. Okay. She also she got like a little stern for a little while there. There was one day that I had uh, I was like eating pizza, just like walking to my room. This is before I moved out and I see a shadow figure in the hallway broad daylight walk into my room and I like almost drop my piece of pizza and I'm like mom mom I saw it go into my room I was still kind of scared at the time and my mom goes in there and she's like you leave my kids alone mama bear (laughs) talking to it and then it would kind of slow down so I think she got a little stirred my mom is like yeah kind of spiritual but also not like on any set path or anything kind of like me Mm -hmm. so I think that that kind of helps I think when yeah. it comes to protecting yourself in your home, a lot of that can just come from your confidence and your sternness and saying, this is my house. And I think that that's helped a lot is that mentality of we're not scared of you. You can't actually hurt me. Knock it off. Yeah. Oh, totally. We've talked about mm-hmm. that too on our podcast in terms of like protecting yourself in your home because I mean, you know, there's all kinds of things people do for like protection. Yeah. But it does tend to be based off of like what you perceive it to be. And yeah. I, do, I think that nothing beats being able to just stick up for yourself. Yeah, like, I think intention's important because you look across almost any, you know, religion or belief system and they're all, hey, if you have a malevolent entity in your house, burn this, say this, use this smoke, do this. And what we know is that universally it all works. So I right. think that that, yeah, that intention behind it, that power that you have behind it is almost more important than these tangible things that do help and can elevate it, I think. But I think you are really what matters most doing it. Yeah. Oh, God, that makes that makes perfect sense. I I recall times when I was younger, my mom um, is Catholic. And so there was activity we had in the house growing up that it was mainly just me that noticed it. Um, But my mom believed me to a degree but mm-hmm. only in the sense of like, we need to like bless the house and we need to get our holy water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she did it. Um, 
nothing changed after that. And I, again, I don't think that's to say like that didn't work. I think it was the lack of believing that something yeah. was going on. Yeah. I think if um, you're, you know, if you think your house is haunted and you're real nervously going through burning incense or something, if you're kind of like a little scared about it and unsure, what if this doesn't work? I feel like it's less likely to work. Yeah. That's just my personal thought on it though. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Um, I feel like I just had a question and lost it. <laughs> and so I'm like surprised that's the first time that's happened. Every time Maria and I record, there's like things that come up in my head and I'm like, uh, I had a thought. <laughs> I had a comment. Yep. I had a question. <laughs> we have Go not, uh, we have not actually interviewed anyone on Ghoul's Trip yet because we're just we're a hot mess and I usually I'm used to sitting there with my script that I read from and I know what to say yeah exactly I don't know I don't know how you do it <laughs> it's a whole skill to be able to sit here and like interview somebody it really it, it is honestly because we do most of our episodes are um I can't necessarily say scripted but notes yeah for sure. yeah it's various degrees depending on what we're talking about but um yeah, that's obviously really easy. For me, of course, like I'm reading it, lose my spot. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, bear with me. Yep. There's <laughs> Where was we, I? <laughs> yeah, we've thought about doing like recordings of our episodes or like live ones. But yeah, I have like my notes on my story I read from. But then like all mm -hmm. of the like banter and chit chat is all uh -huh. obviously not scripted. But yeah, right. very often yeah. I, I lose my place and I just sit there and like edit out an empty 30 seconds of me going, uh, scrolling around, <laughs> <laughs> trying to find my spot again. Yep. Oh, gosh. Behind the scenes of podcasting. Universal struggle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So uh, would you share like a little bit about your podcast that you have now? And Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm currently a co-host on Ghoul's Trip. Uh, there's me and the other co-host, Hannah, my best friend. We're a very relaxed, um, paranormal. I, I, I don't necessarily want to say comedy because we're not like necessarily funny, but we just have fun <laughs> and we laugh a lot. Yeah. Um, we have a big emphasis on debunking, but uh, yeah, we like to cover, we're both ghost hunters, so we kind of have that insider knowledge a little bit. Uh, we talk about haunted places, we talk about cryptids, we have a four-part series of us basically trash-talking the Warrens and like debunking some of their <laughs> most famous stories and like the satanic panic they actively promote. That's oh, another God. subject we like to talk about is satanic yeah. panic and how harmful that can be going back to these ghost hunters that are like demons 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 everywhere yep. that's harmful that hurts people yeah. um it's still fun though we still have fun we have over 50 episodes out on that and we recently hit twenty thousand listens which was a huge Yay. deal for us. Uh, that's a big milestone uh my other podcast uh i do it all me, myself, and I, it's a one-man show. It's pretty new. It's called Eerie Places. It only has two seasons out right now, but it's kind of like, it's almost like a little personal diary of mine in a way mm -hmm. where I sit here and I talk about these places I've traveled to, sometimes haunted, sometimes it is other just weird things. Um, only two seasons out again. I've talked about some places I went to in Edinburgh, Scotland. That was really cool. Oh. Season two was all about Salem. Uh, I have a new project in the works for it uh, that's called 
Haunted Heartland and Midwest Monsters. I'm going to talk about a lot of weird stories from out here in the Midwest, but it's it's much more chill. It's yeah. kind of the type of podcast I listen to because I'm kind of a hypocrite. I don't really listen to a lot <laughs> of the like comedy style podcasts, which is yeah. literally me on Ghoul's Trip. I The podcast I listen to primarily, it's like someone sitting there, they're telling the story cut and dry and that's it. So that's that kind is- of eerie places. <laughs> I'm trying That's to cater to too. <laughs> yep. I'm trying to cater to both types. Like we got the yeah. chit chat, the ha ha ghouls trip, and then eerie places. It's me sitting there. Here's the story. Here's what's going on. Here's my experience visiting this place, and that's it. I love that. I think that I've actually my husband's been like, you know, you should start your own. That's like just you, just talking about. The stuff you talk to me about because I talk his ear off all the time. Like I looked this thing up and this is what I learned and just like verbal diarrhea all over him. And he's like, maybe put it in a podcast. Yeah, do it. I mean, it's it's easy. And like, you know, we're people that like know what we're doing. Like I do all the editing and everything for Ghoul's Trip. So it's really easy for me to have my own side podcast where if I'm bored one day and I have a whole place all researched and typed up I can sit down and I can record a whole episode about it so it's easy it's fun that is that is fun and that sounds really cool um and when did you start ghoul's trip again we started ghoul's trip in November of last year November 2021 because this November was our one-year anniversary yay We are going to take a a little break this December because we've been uh, doing it constantly for a year, every week, a weekly episode. So I I think we deserve a little break. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's good to take a break before burnout. Yes. Because it can happen. We've dealt with that here. Burnout and Mm -hmm. then just like life events. Yeah. I think that was kind of my issue with my first two podcasts I did that ended up not really working out. I pushed way too hard for too long. Yeah. Uh, I also wasn't like I I feel like I've changed a lot and I I try to yeah. be more um I try to be more ethical. You've brought up ethics and the paranormal. Like I definitely try to keep more of this in mind and the stories that I tell, what stories I choose to tell and choose not to and how right. I tell it. So I feel like I've just grown a lot too. So I'm much more proud of the content I'm doing now with Ghoul's Trip in eerie places. Yeah. That's very cool. It's what kind of things do you keep in mind? When you're looking at places, um, I sure. I really try to avoid that real fine line of exploitation mm-hmm. when it comes to more recent events. Um, for example, there's a guy. His name's Robert Berdella, but he's known as a Kansas City butcher. I've okay. had a lot of people request that I cover him on my podcast, but. These were crimes. He's basically our version of Jeffrey Dahmer. He's a Jeffrey Dahmer of Kansas City with the kind of stuff he did. And I know there's people, family of the victims, surviving victims still living out here. And I'm not comfortable talking about that because I don't know how to do that in a way that wouldn't harm them. And so until I learned, because I'm not really too into true crime. So I don't know like the most ethical way. So I try to avoid topics like that. I try to have a lot more empathy and I try to not have too much judgment for people involved in some of these stories because I know we can read what we read about people online but you may not you might not know the full story so I try to avoid a lot of recent stuff like that for that reason because I just don't really know what I'm doing 
Yeah. No, and that makes sense. I think, um, oh my God, yeah, that's ethical. <laughs> Sorry, my cat's like, I don't know if you see this, she's climbing on the back of my chair right now. <laughs> she's being an absolute that's goblin. Cute. I love that. I love that. Maria has, um, <laughs> she, before she was recording, like, at a desk, and there was a window next to the desk that has, like, a little cat hammock Aww. situation, and so, like, you would see the cat, like, jump up and go across the desk, <laughs> like, oh. go up and then come back down. And they always do it when you're, like, in the middle of, like, telling a scary ghost story or something. <laughs> That's when my cats always decide to... I'm talking about some haunted place and then they come crashing onto my desk, my <laughs> mics everywhere. <laughs> it's true. They do that. We, we cover true crime as well as paranormal stuff. Um, and that's been hard to, because we, like I said, we both have pets. So like they will uh-huh. interrupt or random things will happen. And it's like, this was really serious. <laughs> we really didn't need this right now. No, exactly. And then we end up laughing about it. And it's like, this isn't really the time to be laughing. Yep. That's <laughs> happened because there is that like crossover of true crime and the paranormal where a lot right. of places are supposedly haunted because of deaths or, deaths or tragedies. And that's definitely happened to us before in the past where we're talking about here's some spirit people think believed here. Here's the horrific way they died. But then you kind of can't help but like soften the mood a little bit or something funny happens like your chair squeaks and it sounds like yeah. a fart through the mic or something. And then you're like, oh, like, I know this is insensitive. I'm sorry. So right, that's something yeah. that I think a lot of us are always working on. I'm always trying to be more ethical and always trying to improve in the way I cover certain stories like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, um. I think I'm out of questions. Is there anything you want to share about being a paranormal investigator? Any advice? Anything like that? Ooh, I do like to give advice. Uh, I have a lot of people ask me when they want to get into it, like, what do I need? What type of equipment do I need? And my advice is it's more about your mentality when you're going into the investigation and just having fun. Uh, be intrigued by things. Don't be discouraged if things are slow. And if you are wanting to get into ghost hunting, you don't need all of the gadgets you see on TV. You don't have to drop thousands of dollars. Your phone is the best tool you can use. You can take photo, video, audio notes. You can record for EVPs on there. Your phone has a flashlight built in. So it's great for when you're in those like dark, creepy little abandoned haunted buildings we all love to go put ourselves in the middle of (laughs) so if you're wanting to get into it just uh, be wary of the information out there there's a lot of places that aren't fully honest do your own research Mm -hmm. and most importantly have fun and uh, there's not demons everywhere I promise (laughs) (laughs) most important (laughs) yes (laughs) not everything is a demon (laughs) Well, and I think I liked what you said at the beginning, too, about um, that it can be boring, that you, it's, yes. you're, you can't expect that something's going to happen all the time. Yeah, there's a I have to be really careful with like the type of people I investigate with, because I have been with mm-hmm. people before who get really upset and really bored. I just want to go home. But you still got to yeah. have fun with it. You know, hey, if I'm you know, I've been at the Sally house when there's a lot of activity and I've been there when absolutely nothing happens and you still got to appreciate this experience that you got to go yeah. there in the environment and make sure you're doing it with fun people and enjoy it. Yeah. 
That's perfect. Well, like I said, I'm out of questions. And um, so I think that we'll, we'll wrap it up. All right. <laughs> this has been really fun. I, I really don't do a lot of interviews like this. I'm a very introverted, shy person, but I've been following you on Instagram for a while too. And I was like, I feel like I trust you and I trust your content because I've checked out your uh, podcast before in the past. So I was like, this will be fun. And I'm really glad that you invited me to do this. Thank you. I, I always get nervous, you know, asking anyone to come on because I'm like, are they going to like us? Do they want to be on our podcast? Are they going to like have a good time? <laughs> I've had sort of too, and like I'm a Virgo, so I'm like completely in my head all the time like mm-hmm. worrying about things. But I'm this was so much fun. I loved having yep. you on. And I'm a Libra who <laughs> loves to talk. Libras love to tell <laughs> stories. So <laughs> I think that does help me a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Funny enough, that's my for all of you witchy listeners. That's my Mercury sign. So I communicate Ah, like a Libra. Okay. See, that's why we're podcasters. (laughs) (laughs) It all makes sense. It all. Yep. Full circle. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And for our listeners, um, we will plug Ivy's content on the posting here, the other podcasts. Um, Is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, I don't think so. I think ghouls, trip, and eerie places are are my biggest focuses going into 2023. So that's where I'm going to be producing most of my content over there. Perfect. And I know you said you have special projects coming up. So I'm excited to yes. see what that'll be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to tell all of our uh, ghouls, trip listeners to come over here and check this out. We'll send them your way. You, you can you. have them for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll take them while you're on your break. Sounds good. (laughs) Uh, So I really suck at our outro. Maria does it every time. So um, forgive me if I forget anything. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to us, you're probably following us. If not, you can find us pretty much anywhere at The New Witches um, or The New Witches Podcast. If you have a scary story that you want to share with us, you can email us at thenewwitches at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, thenewwitches.com, and submit your story that way. We are still a few months behind, so if you submit it, it probably won't be read for a little bit. Um, and finally, we have our Patreon, patreon.com slash thenewwitches, I think. I'm sure if, you, if that's <laughs> question wrong, mark, question mark. <laughs> this sounds like how our outros were. We have like a pre-recorded one I do now because we are just a mess every time at the end of the episode. Oh my God, that is so <laughs> smart. Maria's got it down. Like every, the end of every episode, she's just like, and I'm like, oh, good. I can't do that. Please come back. I'm we need you. Something. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, our Patreon. We have made some changes over there. So if you uh, join there, you get access to a monthly newsletter and monthly exclusive content. Last month, it was we did a guided meditation. This month, we have um, what am I doing this month? It is a deck, a tarot deck review of the Hocus Pocus deck. There's also a special post on our herb of the month since we feature that in our newsletter. So if you want to learn about bay leaves. We've got a whole post on there about that. Um, And we will continue to be beefing it up as we go forward and focus a little bit more on our Patreon people. 
who we love so much. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, stay witchy and keep it creepy. Thank you.